Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins, a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and sacred scriptures, along with information on topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Jim Corda. Wineskins is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview Bishop Bonner on his pastoral letter. We will also look at the life of St. Catherine Drexel, as well as reflections on the readings for this third Sunday of Lent. That and more coming up on Wineskins. In our current issue segment, we will welcome Guy Burney. With me again is Guy Burney, who is the Executive Director for the Community Initiative to Reduce Violence in the City of Youngstown. Welcome back to our show. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, I'm going to play devil's advocate, if you don't mind. Okay. When we talk about uh, reducing violence in our cities, that presupposes that there's violence in our cities. Can we talk about violence in the degree, and what are we talking about? So violence has so many degrees, but remember, it never starts off as a gunshot. Mm, mm, It always mm. starts off as conflict. So whether that be in words, whether that be on social media, Mm. right, those things escalate. And the only way to stop violence, there's a cycle, is that somebody has to change their response, right? Because if I keep the same response, the cycle will continue and it's going to come to a head. And so violence has so much to do with individuals and what's going on inside them, Mm -hmm. it's scary. And so we have to intervene and work with individuals to stop violence because at the end of the day, that's who pulls the trigger or Mm -hmm. that's who makes Mm -hmm. the choice. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, the one thing that comes to mind is that Jesus met people one-on-one. Yes. You know, he talked with people one-on-one. He had a relationship. And so I think having a relationship with somebody that's positive really helps in the long run when we're talking about reducing things that make up this violent world that we live in. I totally agree. Remember, violence is kind of generational. And I say that Mm -hmm. because the way we handle conflict comes from somewhere. It's a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. And so if the people who raised me or I was around all the time didn't handle it well, I probably don't handle it well if they did, maybe I'm, I'm good at it. Until I learn a different way, we're going to keep getting the same results. And yeah. so teaching management of conflict is huge. Mm-hmm. But where does that come from? Again, that comes from my family mm-hmm. and the people who I'm around. So that's why, again, we have to intervene um, yeah. in that sector. And how important is it for us to kind of look internally from time to time to say, okay, I'm doing these habits that are bad over and over again, How do I kind of stop those? So this introspective look into each of ourselves individually is really crucial in the way that we deal with our relationships. Again, I'm going to go back to my faith, Father, Mm -hmm. and say Mm -hmm. that we all have these issues. None of us are beyond handling conflict improperly. Mm -hmm. The way I personally depend on my faith to say, God, you have to help me with my anger, Mm -hmm. how I respond. Mm -hmm. Let's start again at home Mm -hmm. to my children, Mm -hmm. to my wife, right? right? Because that, again, that's violence. And so I know through my faith, I can't do it by myself. And so I have to look up Mm -hmm. to God for the help. And so going to my church 
and being around people who are trying to strive toward the same thing I'm going to actually helps me. It's almost surrounding yourselves with not only the right people, but the people that give you life Absolutely. and that energize you to do the right thing all Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. Know? Let's talk about those people that you partner with to help you in this wonderful job that you oh, do. Oh, wow. So I have so many. We won't have time, but I'm so excited. So we partner with folks from mental health mm -hmm. because we know that's a huge issue. And people in specifically urban communities mm -hmm. have a issue with looking at it. Violence is a problem because when you're in it so long, you become callous mm -hmm. and you believe that it's not affecting you. Sure. But the trauma is real. Mm -hmm. And every time someone dies near you, especially by violence, it affects you. Sure. And so what we've learned is that we have to go in with those type of mental health supports mm -hmm. for families who have lost loved ones. If you've watched the news, you've seen we just did Hope for the Holidays, mm -hmm. and we, we were being a blessing by giving gifts and joy, but more than that, we gave resources of grief counseling and mm -hmm. connections so that the family could heal. Well, Guy Burney, Executive Director for Community Initiative to Reduce Violence in the City, especially here in Youngstown. We thank you so much for the work you do, for your ministry, for your presence, but also for those who you work with to bring about great things for our city and finally, great things for our families. Absolutely. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The church celebrates a feast of Catherine Drexel on March 3rd. To tell us more is Rachel Herbelich, she is from St. Mary and Joseph Church in Newton Falls. This Philadelphia heiress and founder of the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament for Indians and Blacks was beatified in 1988. She was the daughter of a wealthy banker and was raised by a loving stepmother since her own mother died when Catherine was still an infant. She traveled extensively and was well-educated. Her family always contributed to the missions that served the Indians and African Americans. Catherine became involved in this apostolate, and later, when she had an audience with Pope Leo XIII, he urged her to be a missionary to those deserving people. Catherine entered the novitiate of the Sisters of Mercy in Pittsburgh, and in 1891, she founded her own religious congregation. In 1915, she established Xavier University for Colored People in New Orleans. It is estimated that during her lifetime, she spent approximately $12 million on the apostolate to Indians and African Americans. Coming as she did from the highest level of Philadelphia society, Catherine's total dedication to the needs of Indians and Blacks was made possible by her willingness to use the wealth of her inheritance for a good cause. She is an example of poverty of spirit and detachment from the goods of this world. Catherine Drexel is especially relevant to contemporary American society, in which unemployment, homelessness, and racial injustices are still a burden for the Native Americans and African Americans. The span of her life extended to 1955, and for that reason, her example and her apostolate are especially relevant to contemporary society. Hence, the petition in the opening prayer is significant. We ask God to Enable us to work for justice among the poor and the oppressed. It is noteworthy that this prayer refers to the Eucharist as the focal point of unity in the church. The opening prayer reads, Ever-loving God, 
you called Blessed Catherine Drexel to teach the message of the gospel and to bring the life of the Eucharist to the African American and Native American peoples. By her prayers and examples, enable us to work for justice among the poor and the oppressed, and keep us undivided in love in the Eucharistic community of your church. St. Catherine Drexel was canonized on October 1st, 2000. Drexel's legacy lives on since she was declared a saint in the Jubilee year of 2000 by Pope St. John Paul II. At her canonization, St. John Paul II noted that Drexel's holy life serves as a timeless reminder that no greater treasure can be found in this world than in following Christ with an undivided heart and in using generously the gifts we have received for the service of others and for the building of a more just and fraternal world. For Wineskins, I'm Rachel Herbalich. With me is Bishop David Bonner. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Father Corda. It's great to be here. You know, when you first became our bishop in January of 2021, about 100 days later, you wrote a pastoral letter. And now, this past Pentecost 2023, you issued a second pastoral letter. And we're going to spend some time talking about that second letter right now. I want to remind the folks the title of it. It's Practicing Faith, Hope, and love, living the virtues together in tough times. There's really a, a lot of things for us to unpack in that title. But first, why did you issue a second pastoral letter? Well, first of all, I love to write, <laughs> to be honest with you. But I think I just wanted to bring continuity to that first pastoral letter. And I think a bishop always needs to be in dialogue with his people. It also happened that the timing of this letter coincided with the 80th anniversary of the Diocese of Youngstown. And so anytime there's an anniversary, it's always an opportunity to reflect and to look back. And what I want to look back at is just the faith, the hope, and the love of so many who have walked before us, which is really a foundation for where we are today. What I like about your first pastoral letter and your second pastoral letter is that you are not afraid to confront things. You know, your first pastoral letter talked about confronting darkness using the light of Jesus Christ. And so, of course, this was out of the pandemic. You know, we were in the darkness of the pandemic. And now we're talking about living the virtues together in tough times. Realistically, we have to address those tough times. We can't, like, sweep them under the rug and believe that they're not there. What are some of the tough times that people are going through that you're really addressing and you're lifting up? Well, I think, first of all, I just want to say something about reality. Mm. Uh, Pope Francis in The Joy of the Gospel speaks about reality, and he invites mm. us to live in reality. And that's been a mantra for me as we deal with the situations in our parishes where we do not have necessarily the means for some of the mission, where we've had a multiplicity of church buildings. Mm -hmm. So I think that is one of the realities. This is not the same community that it was 20 or so years ago. Right. There's also just the, the widespread economic impact of unemployment, mm -hmm. of drugs, of violence. Mm -hmm. In the aftermath of the pandemic, we still don't know the impact, the full impact of the pandemic with all of its isolation mm -hmm. and fear and anxiety and just the whole idea of mental health. There's a lot of darkness. And I think when we experience those tough times, those dark moments, 
we draw, at least for people of faith, we draw on special virtues. And as you had pointed out, we draw upon these theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Let's focus now on faith. You know, I like the term that faith as personal, communal, and active. So why do we need to have a personal faith? And first of all, faith in Jesus Christ. Well, faith is personal in as much as it involves a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as a relationship, it is a dynamic reality. It is something that is not meant to be stagnant, but is meant to be fed. It's not something we contain just to ourselves. Faith demands an expression. And faith is always enhanced by a communal sense. We go to Mass as individuals, but we gather as a community of believers. And there's a great strength we draw from knowing that we are not alone as we walk our faith journey, even though it can be very challenging and scary at times. You know, as you were talking, one thing that comes to mind is that when we gather as Catholics around the table of the Lord on the Lord's Day, that we do that together. We don't gather in isolation. You know, we may have our particular pew that we sit in, or we may have certain people that we talk to, but we're there together. We're there as the body of Christ gathered around the altar to celebrate the Eucharist and the Word. And that communal aspect is really something that we have to always keep in mind, because if we don't, we lose that connectedness. We lose that, what I like, and the word that you use often is accompaniment. You know, if we don't have that, then we're kind of walking alone. And no one should be walking alone. We should walk together on this journey. And let's talk about faith as being active, because there's nothing worse than a faith that's just like sitting there getting dust. Why does faith need to be active? We know that when we leave Holy Mass, we're sent out. We're sent by the priest or the deacon to go and proclaim the gospel, to glorify God with our lives, to go in peace, to take the peace that we have received in the word and sacrament and share it with others. And Pope Francis has reminded us how important it is to go to the farthest corners of the world, to the peripheries. So faith is not meant to be possessed, it's meant to be shared. And it's almost a paradox, it grows by virtue of the fact that we open ourselves and extend ourselves to others and pass that on. One thing that I'd like us to kind of lift up is the faith that has been passed on for generations, but also more personally, faith that's been passed on through our own families, through our own grandparents and parents. How important is that to embrace that faith that they've given us and to actively, communally live that faith. Because we know today a lot of people are not practicing their faith. So how can we ensure that that faith that was passed on by our grandparents and parents remains active in us? Well, I appreciate the connection you make to the family because not only is that the domestic church, Mm -hmm. but it really is the first classroom of faith. And I think if you were to engage in conversation with anyone about the faith, inevitably at some point the conversation would revert back to their experience in the home, praying together as a family, perhaps the rosary or grace before meals, Mm -hmm. or just the, the sacramentals and the images that would fill the home, or going to Sunday Mass and then coming home and Mm -hmm. having breakfast together. 
we need to find a way to really underline the importance of that even more in our society because that's so foundational to the expression of our faith because you know we go to mass on sunday come home and then as a family we attempted to live out that faith the rest of the week mm -hmm. in whatever ways that we were called to and i think that's really what it's all about the one thing that i'd like us to highlight is that sense of faith is something that we continue to nurture throughout our entire life. It's not just something that we got at baptism or just nurtured and helped along through our parents, but it's something we continue to develop and grow throughout our entire life until the day we die. Why do we need to continue to grow in faith? Because God wants the best of us. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to share his good news. And that involves a sense of maturity. Pope Francis makes reference to that in the joy of the gospel about how important it is for us to mature in the faith. And so we do that. We never fully arrive here in this life. We constantly need to be fed and led and grow in the faith. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. The new Catholic Echo podcast will inform and entertain the faithful of the diocese by discussing various topics that are relevant in the church today. Bishop David J. Bonner begins the podcast with your host, Father Jim Corda, on the topic of the day, and then you'll hear from others with expertise on that topic. You can listen to the Catholic Echo podcast on Sundays at 6.30 a.m., on WHOTFM 101, WYFM FM 102.9, WQXKFM 105.1, or catch it online by going to catholicecho.org slash podcast. The Catholic Echo Podcast is produced by the Communications Department of the Diocese of Youngstown. Wondering what happened to timely Catholic news in the Diocese of Youngstown? It's at catholicecho.org. There you'll find recent stories about Catholic life in all six counties of the Diocese of Youngstown, plus recent videos, podcasts, and even national and global news. You'll find it all at catholicecho.org. Sign up for the email newsletter while you're there to have Catholic news delivered to your inbox. The song we have for you today is from the CD called Lent at Ephesus. It is by the Benedictines of Mary.
And to tell us about the scriptures for this third Sunday of Lent is Father John Rovnak. He is parochial vicar at Holy Family Church in Poland and Holy Rosary Church in Lowville. In today's readings, we start off with a very familiar passage from the book of Exodus. It's Moses receiving the Ten Commandments from God and how those are supposed to guide the Israelites' lives. And if we fast forward to the gospel, we see Jesus driving the money changers and merchants out of the temple area. And we might think, why are these two even connected? But they are because it's all about relationship. Relationship with each other and especially relationship with God. The first three commandments that we have from the Ten Commandments are all about our relationship with God. As we know, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. That's the entirety of the Ten Commandments in just those two. Well, in loving God, we're not supposed to make him monetary. He's not something that we are supposed to profit from. And that's what was going on in the temple area. Jesus went in and he was filled with a righteous fury and he drove out all those people because their relationship with the temple was not the proper relationship they were to have. It was one for purely financial gain and not one of love, not one of service, not even one of worship. It was purely financial, and that was a problem. And Jesus wanted to purify the temple in that sense. And when we look back at the Ten Commandments, we can see where he was coming from. They weren't loving the Lord your God. They weren't keeping the Sabbath day holy. They were not keeping even his name holy. They were profaning all of it. And that is why the zeal for his house consumed him. And we need to have that same type of relationship with God. We need to love God with all of our hearts, minds, souls. Everything we do should be directed to God, but especially, especially on the Sabbath. That is a day we are called to set apart and to spend our time in prayer, reflection, and in a sense, even relaxation for God. Because we need that relationship. We need that communication. But it's not just the relationship with God that's important. As the Ten Commandments remind us, it's about our neighbors as well. Thou shalt not steal, kill, adultery, any of the other covetings, all of it. Those are all things to help us remain in right relationship with our neighbor as well. And so this Sunday is a reminder of our relationships first with God and then with each other in how we are supposed to live and act throughout our lives. God is always supposed to come first, but our neighbor comes a very close second, and we need to always keep that in mind. We need to always bear witness to the love we have for each other. And we show this in different ways, in works of charity, acts of mercy, anything that we do as we're helping, whether it's taking food to a neighbor, just talking politely to them, whatever it is, we are called to do it with love, with mercy, and with compassion. 
For Wineskins, I'm Father John Rovnak. The entrance examination to Jesus' School of Discipleship has only one question. Do you really mean to do business with me? If your answer is yes, he will open his whole heart to you, accept you gladly, and work with you forever. Wineskins is made possible through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda saying thank you for being with us. Have a blessed week. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.